Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Dr. Supercoach podcast. This week, I'm joined by Peter, and we'll be running through the lower premium and mid-price selections. So uh, tell us a bit about yourself, Peter. Hey guys, I've been playing Supercoach since the inception of it and managed to finish uh, multiple times inside the top 1,000 with a high of about 235 quite a few years ago. Um, but yeah, I've been loving it ever since and can't wait to get on with this season. Uh, sweet, mate. Uh, good to have you here in uh, Geary's absence. The first position we'll be discussing is the forwards, starting with Sam Gray. Uh, priced at $480,800, averaged 89.1 in 2015. Uh, he had 10 games, none of them were sub-affected. Being a Port supporter, I've considered Gray. I just I feel like if anyone were to drop out of that midfield, he'd be the first and he'd start playing more forward minutes. Um, his potential was there and he did really well in the NAB Cup, but... Um, I'm not confident enough to start with him. How about you, Peter? Yeah, he's very expensive at 480k. I mean, that's that's more than 10k more than Buddy, um, who although is has considerable risk as well. Um, I mean, when you're paying that much, just you pay a tiny bit more, and you can just get a primo that will last you all the season with no risk. So, I mean, why 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 do it to yourself? Um, I tend to agree. Yeah, I think I think Gray's. A big risk going in, um, one that might pay off, but yeah, a big risk nonetheless. Um, next one we have here, we're going to do these guys in a duo, because it's Zach Merritt and Craig Bird. Um, starting with Zach Merritt, priced at 477k. Just like Gray for me, um, if you're going to spend that much money on a forward, you might as well go to someone like Buddy Franklin. Um, averaged 88.47, which is good. He'll be Essendon's best player uh, throughout a lot of their games, but Considering the season that we all think they're going to have, that best player might only score 90. Um, he's not in my calculations. How about you? No, I haven't considered him at all. Um, look, he had had a great last season, and the potential for him as an AFL footballer is there. Um, There's too much uncertainty around the Essendon squad for him to actually be in my considerations. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, next up is Craig Bird. Uh, Price at 348. Everyone had him in the preseason. He's come out with three lowly scores of 66, 38, and 44 in the NAB Cup. And everyone thought he was going to have that breakout year, but now everyone's kind of wavering off. Um, he's he's not even not even in my top 30 considered forwards at this point. Um, I don't reckon I'd I'd go within 10 feet of him. What about you? <laughs> we didn't quite do that as a duo. <laughs> we still went through them. Uh, one by one, but all good. The uh, bird pick isn't one that I would take. Um, I mean, yeah, he he really spudded it in the NAB Cup. I mean, his his time on ground uh, wasn't high for for any of the games, but he he didn't really show enough to be able to select him in that mid price range. I mean, you'd really wanted him to at least have one good game, or even you know get heaps of the ball, even if it was a low score. Some just you know a little bit of something, but. He didn't show it, and at Sydney he was an accumulator. Um, he just hasn't done it for me so far. I mean, I guess, yeah, there's no point really in starting with him when there's uh, other options available. At that price, you'd need him to average between 80 and 90, and I don't think he has that in him at all. I don't think the potential's there at all. Um, I'm going to give a big pass on Craig Bird. Um, next player on the list is Toby Green, priced at 446.9. 
average of 82 in 2015. Um, look, 2014, he finished the season playing a lot more midfield, and he absolutely killed it. I, I was a victim of him in the uh, finals that year. The person that I was versing had him, and it cost me a grand final. So uh, I know what he can be like at his best, but 2015 spent a lot of time up forward, and... Unfortunately, this year, even without Trelaw, it looks like he's going to do the same thing. Um, have you put Green in your team at all? Uh, I haven't, and um, I haven't at any stage. Although I love Green as a player, and who can forget his uh, first season? He just burst on the scene uh, with a couple of really big scores, and you know was a great uh, rookie pick and solid player. Um, everyone, I think, is picking him, is hoping he plays midfield. I mean, why? Why else would you pick him? Um, and they're expecting him to feel fill that void, but they've got so many good rookies, GWS. I mean, they recruited Hopper and Kennedy this year, who are very solid players, and they're not even probably going to start coming into round one's touch and go. Um, I mean, again, it's a high risk, as with most of these picks. Um, I think he's more of a wait and see as well. You just if he, if he knocks out a couple of big hundreds in a row then sure, go for him. But to start the season, if he puts in a couple of 70s, what you're going to do is in no man's land. Yeah. He ends up having to downgrade him. I mean, Like, yeah, you, like you said, he's, um, you're picking him, expecting him to play a lot more midfield time. And if he doesn't, then, like you said, he's really going to sit around that 80 average and not go anywhere, not go anywhere in price. and he's, It's going to hurt you. Um, next player is Aaron Hall. He's, um, he's in my side. You actually brought him up to me first before he was really talked about. Do you want to take us through Hall? Sure, yeah. I love Hall as a pick. Um, watched him all throughout the NAB Cup. He, he went bang. He scored 81 in the first, 123 and 131, which is huge. Uh, I think he attended one of the most centre bounces in the entire NAB. He definitely did for Gold Coast. He had 16 um, in one game. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he... Look, they still have Ablett to come in. They still have Prestia to come in. Um, and then what? I mean, the depth kind of lacks. Um, he, he did play with Riscatelli and seemed to be ahead of him in the games, but, you know, it's hard to take a lot from the NAB Cup. Um, yeah, it's, I, think, I think he's like the fourth or fifth midfielder in that Gold Coast's uh, squad. But, look, if he gets forced out just because... Um, his versatility, if they play him forward. I mean, his scores are going to suffer accordingly. But, you know, as long as he stays on the midfield and with uh, Jaeger out and um, David Swallow out, he could get at least, you know, first half first half a dozen games pure midfield and could pump out the big scores and have a hot start. So, yeah, I definitely rate him as uh, someone that could get your team off to a flyer. And, uh, yeah, is that aligned with your thoughts? Um, well, he's in my team at the moment. I think he's going to stay there. Um... For me, even if he averages around that 80, 90, even up to 100, which he's got potential for, um, I feel like if, if he does that up to round seven when all those midfielders start returning, that'll still be good enough to get him up to an uber premium. Um, especially, say, Deledio has a bit of a slow start. They'll be almost... They'll be around the similar price. So, worst-case scenario for me, he's a stepping stone. Best case scenario is that he, he does play a lot in the mid this year and he averages close to that 100 mark. Um, I guess worst case is that he um, he slips into that full role again and I have to find a replacement for him. But he's priced well enough for me to get a, a decent downgrade anyways. 
Yep, definitely. Um, Jack Steele's our next one. He's he's risen a lot in popularity lately, considering he's started in the mid a few times in the NAB Cup games. Um, he did finish the NAB Cup well with a 106 in his last game. Um, I think he's a super risky pick at that price. How do you see him? Um, I like Jack Steele as a player. Um, I mean, last year, I think he saved my butt a few times. He just played at the right time. Um, he's definitely, as a forward, um, he has decent potential because he does play, well, he has shown that he's played in this NAB Cup mostly as a midfielder and he could step up in Trello's role. But then again, 312,200. I'm not sure where, like how much he can rise for him to be a good option. For a second year um, player, it's, you'd have to have a, a lot of testicular fortitude, I want to say. <laughs> Look, he, if he averages 85, he'll make you decent money and you can upgrade him, but then again, you're expecting him to average 85, which... It's a big jump. Would be tough. It's tough. Um, so, it's a pass for me, but for those that want to risk it, I can understand why. I just would not do it myself. I consider the reasoning behind the pick, but it's a pass for me as well. Um... Brings us on to our next one. He's 6K more expensive. He's also a second-year player. Um, Jordan Goey, you're a Collingwood fan. Um, you don't seem to rate him super coach-wise. Um, what's your reasoning there? Well, firstly, like, I love Dugowie. I think he's a great. He's going to be great for us, and uh, hopefully, you know, stay with us and lead us to a couple of premierships in the near future. Optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, right this year, actually. He's going to win the brown, though, as well. And stuff. But uh, <laughs> I'm not sure he's quite there as a super coach player yet. He's still he's in a very loaded midfield already, um, so he will be used sparingly. I think he'll be rotated uh, forward and you know on the ball, which, which is okay. I mean, it's good, good for him, and he'll, be, he'll learn a lot. But as a super coach pick, I mean, you really need him to average, again, around that 85 mark. And I just don't see it. I think he can push, you know, that's best-case scenario, really. I mean, worst-case scenario, he's probably going to go 70, 75. Um, but there's just, yeah, then, then what do you do? I mean, that just doesn't see a, seem to be a point. You, you know, pick a primo or pick a rookie, but he's going to kind of get you stuck halfway. I mean, if you do think he'll go 90-plus, then sure, by all means, pick him. But, I mean, that's going to be pretty tough with that. Collingwood's already loaded midfield, I think. He's a very dangerous pick. He did score 95 and 88 in the NAB Cup, but people tend to forget that it's the NAB Cup, and players do tend to break out and then have slower seasons when the real stuff starts. Um, I he's just a very dangerous pick. I reckon you'd be, you'd be crazy to start with him, in my opinion. Um, I'd, I'd actually prefer Jack Steele because he's just going to have a lot more opportunity. Um, yeah, I can understand that. I think he, he played in the first NAB Cup game with his 95 without Pendlebury. So, I mean, it's hard to tell. The last one, Collingwood did have a full-strength midfield and he still scored 88, which is which is solid. But, I mean, I don't think that's going to be his average performance. I mean, he played pretty well. He's, he's at the gun. So, I mean, yeah, I love him, but not, not a super coach pick for me. Agreed. Um, our last forward that we're going to get to is... Uh, not Troy Menzel, um, Daniel Menzel from Geelong. Uh, he showed he played two games last year, scoring 119 in his first one back. 
Um, massive Cinderella story. Ah, can you pick him at 260,000? 200,000, yes. 260,000s, it's a bit of a jump. Um, how do you see Menzel this year? Look, I mean, I love that his return to football has been great. And, I'm, you know, everyone's getting around him, which is awesome. We've had so many people inbox us about Menzel. But 260k is a bit of an awkward price. I think that 119 has gotten people's head and made them think, like, yeah, this, this guy could go, you know, 80 plus. But at the end of the day, he's going to be, you know, small forward in a Geelong side. I mean, he, he will have a big game, no doubt. When they play weaker teams, he could go bang. But, you know, they play Hawthorne first up. Um, not sure really what people are going to expect from a small forward. He's probably just going to average... You know, 70 max, 75, maybe if you're very lucky, but I, I doubt that. I just don't see him he's, to be a good he's pick. He's going to have some very down games, and it's going to hurt you a lot, considering he's definitely going to be on your field for that price. Um, I reckon you look elsewhere. Look to a rookie, um, look to manage you, look to... Um, oh, everyone would have carriage, but I reckon downgrade, spend the money elsewhere, or you want to upgrade and make that big jump to even Jack Steele or a bigger jump to Aaron Hall or someone of that nature. Um, and if you don't have uh, Wells, they're basically the same price, so, you know, get him in. Get Wells in. <laughs> um, on that note, we're not even going to talk about Daniel Wells. He's a complete lock. Um, he hasn't moved from my team. I dare say that's the same story for you. Um, if he's named round one, you, you just have to start him. You absolutely have to. Yeah, no choice. Just do it and, uh, yeah, move on. Don't even think about it. Yep, enough said. Um, well, that concludes our forwards. Um, we're going to move on to the midfielders next. The first mid we'll be addressing will be Brad Crouch, and we might as well group him together with his brother Matt. Um, Brad's 306, Matt's 368, so there's a 60k difference between them. Um, being completely honest, I think Matt's the safer pick and a better pick even. The thing that scares me about Brad is that he's getting 40 touches in all these sandful intra-club match, all those games. And when it comes to the real thing, he has the potential to do that there as well. So I don't want to pick either, as in I don't want to pick Matt or even a rookie in Brad's place and him come out and score... 110 every week. Um, uh, which do you think is the better pick out of these two? I'd definitely say Brad Crouch. Uh, I think I'm a little biased because I have a bit of a man crush on this guy. I held him in my <laughs> held him in my super coach draft last year for 15 weeks because they kept saying he's going to play, he's going to play, he's going to play. Um, wow. And then he didn't. But uh, yeah, look, this guy has amazing scoring potential. Um, I really thought last year he could average about 105. I mean, this year, hopefully, if he gets his body right, he can, at minimum, you know, his scoring potential's right there. I think he can average 100. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd question everybody saying, look, he's 306,000, but if he was 7,000 less and you saw 299, I think you see a two and you just would lock him in. So, look, he's, he's got it all, um, except for the injury concerns. Um, it's not even 40 in these intra-club games. It's 45. Like, you're cutting him short. <laughs> he, yeah. he's, he's a gun, and I, I would pick him. I am going to pick him if his name's round one. If it's not ra named round one, then I won't pick him. But to me, it's an easy decision over his brother, who seems more of a 
fringe player last year for them, but you know he'll probably work his way into the team this year. And he's shown he can score well, but I think Brad is a better pick, and I wouldn't really risk going with both. That's the um, the downside of Matt is that he is a fringe player there for some reason. He had 68 average for the season, but 84 when he wasn't a sub. Um, in the NAB Cup, he had 115, 117, and 96, and he shows every sign of being a B-plus grade player, but as soon as someone like Brad comes to the team, he just falls back into that first player to be subbed, or like, well, this year that won't be the case, but if there's any player that's going to have to take up a, a run with roll or something like that, it would be Matt. So it kind of worries me about selecting him, but he's an out-and-out gun, so maybe... Um, he has something against the coach or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think Van Berlin might get a run with Roll, but you know Matt's more of an extractor. But so is Brad. So yeah. You know, and Sloan. I mean, how many extractors does one team need? <laughs> exactly. That's why I think Matt gets pushed out a bit. Um, yeah. Unfortunately for him, though, because he is a gun. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd air to the side of Brad as well, if having to select one or the other. Um, our next player is Jared Pollock. Um, being a Port fan, um, I understand the hype around him. He did have a good, well, we'll say rookie year, but he played a few games for Brisbane before coming to Port. Um, I, I just don't see him averaging anything over 80. I think 85 would be exceptional for him. And at that price, when he's right next to Brad and close to Matt, I just, I think he's the bottom, bottom pick of the three, and he's not going to have a whole lot of upside in the season. Um, how do you see him? No, I agree. I think there's better options around this price, so just pick the better options. That's simple. Yep, I agree. Um, next one's Graham from Carlton, and I I laughed. I laughed aloud at this pick and the fact that people were considering him, and then I saw how he ended last season, back-to-back-to-back tons, how his nub cup went, back-to-back-to-back tons, and I'll be honest, if this guy was 30k cheaper, I'd be considering him strongly. The fact of the matter is he's near that 400k price range and I think he might as well either drop to a Brad or a Rookie or jump up to a premium. How about you? I tend to agree with that. I think if, you're, if you are picking him, you're expecting 100s. Anything less would be a failure at that price. Um, I'm not going to laugh if someone wants to pick him. I mean, as you said, it's now six tons in a row for uh, yep. Mr. Graham here. But yeah, it's... He plays for Carlton at the end of the day, so, I mean, it's a, it's hard, it's a hard choice to make, um, especially when there's someone who could be a bit better in Brad. Um, that's 90, roughly 90k cheaper. Um, but then again, look, if you've got around 400k to spend and you don't want to change anything else in your team and you have that for a midfielder, I'd, I'd, I would pick him. Um, he's just not for me. I don't think he's a bad pick, and I think you'll have a lot of upside during the season, and people will be rewarded by picking him, but I also think there are players that will have more upside and will reward their people more, and whether it be cash generation or scores, um, I think his price is just too awkward to actually chuck in the mid. Um, maybe as a forward or a defender I would, but <laughs> not, not in my midfield. Um, Last but not least is a Dr. Supercoach special. Um, I don't hear anyone talk about this guy, but Brandon R. Chee for Port. Um, 61 average in 2015. Take out those sub-affected games, which were six of them, um, and he averaged 96, and that was 
he had a span over five weeks where I think he averaged about 108. Um, he's he's just such a smoky. He's at that price range of the last few that we've spoken about, and I actually like him as a pick. Um, how do you see him? Um, look, he's I think he's a fine pick. I mean, it's hard to tell where he fits into the port side. I think you'd know a bit more about that than I would. But again, there's options who I'd see slightly better, um, even... Potentially, Matt Kraft is probably a bit higher um, than him in my mind. Um, although, look, it's a huge smoky. I mean, if you want, if you want to pick someone with the lowest percentage owned uh, in the whole of Supercoach, and you desperately need someone that might still be good, and that's really low owned, uh, he's your man. He, I mean, he's a league player. If you're playing for leagues and you want a POD that will pop up and score those crazy scores out of nowhere, and everyone will go, "Yeah, how did you pick that one?" Brandon Archie could be that person. He's, like I said, 96 average unsubbed, and that's out of five games, so it's not just a small sample. Well, it kind of well, is. But <laughs> it's a little small. <laughs> it kind of is, but there were five blinder of the games. Um, yeah, I think I think he's a decent smokey to sort of keep your eye on and track a little bit throughout the season. Definitely look out for him in draft, guys, but uh, I probably personally would stay away in normal supercoach. That's just because you don't like Port. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fair enough, though. Um, all right, well, that wraps up our midfielders. We don't have heaps of them around that price. Um, I reckon we'll jump onto the Ruckman next. Yep, sounds good. The first Ruckman we'll be looking at is Leuenberger, priced at 310.7, average of 57 last year in 14 games, only two of them sub-affected, in which... Uh, I No, I, it's a no... Uh, I'm not even going to talk about him. It's a, it's a strong no. Um, are you considering him at all? Uh, no, I'm not. I mean, he had scoring history in the past, but look, with everything that's happened, Essendon with his injury proneness, like, just don't do it to yourself. Just move on. Just ignore him. I've seen the man get injured tying up his bootlaces. It's. It, <laughs> I don't reckon he'll play more than 15 games. I reckon you'd be happy with that. Um, and out of the average of, what, 70? Don't do it. Don't. Don't even look at him. Um, yep. Moving on, straight away, um, Matthew Lobie's the next one. Priced at 389.5, average of 72 last year. Um, without any Paddy Ryder, he is an interesting prospect, considering he averaged 100 in 2014. It's a no for me. I understand people's selection of him, because he does have that potential amongst the other Ruckman at his price. If you need a mid-price Ruckman, he isn't the worst selection, but at the same time, I just can't see him averaging more than 90 this year. Um, Pete, you're, uh, you've always been critical of the big man. How, do you, how are your thoughts on him? I just don't rate Loby as a pick. I mean, he did average close to 100 or 100 a uh, couple of seasons back, but the scoring system for Ruckman has changed since then. It used to be worth one for a hit-out, now it's worth zero for a hit-out, but five for a hit-out to advantage. Um, he got a lot of the ball, and sorry, he got a lot of tackles, which is how he got yeah. monster scores, and he, he'll still get those, but you know, without that extra one per hit-out, like, it's going to struggle in my eyes to reach, like, he'll reach like low 80s. That hurts so, in that rule, that um, five for a hit-out to advantage, he's an amazing tap ruckman at getting his hand to the ball, but whether it falls into the hands of our mids, he's... He's probably ordinary. Um, I reckon that rule change does hurt him a lot. Yeah, I just, you know, stay away. I, it's a trap in my eyes. 
I tend to agree, but I do see why people are sort of selecting him. Um, Callum Sinclair for Sydney, now from West Coast, um, $409,500, um, average of 75. Look, I can see the potential in him as well, um, 84, 114 and 75 in the NAB Cup. Um, look, he'll probably average in those 80s as well. Oh, you'd be pushing to say he's going to average closer to 90 than 80. Um, once again, I can warrant the selection, but it's he's definitely not for me. What about you, Pete? Um, I've always been a big Sinkers fan. I think uh, he's definitely going to be good at some stage in his future and probably super coach worthy. I'm not sure it's this year. He is going to be fighting for the ruck spot with Tippett. Yep. Um, and they will be sharing that. I don't think people who are selecting Sinclair thinking that he's going to be the lone ruck uh, mistaken. That it's it's not going to happen. Pike's still there, isn't um, <laughs> Well... Would you play him? I mean, <laughs> I, really. I doubt I, it, but he's still there at least. Um, if he picks yeah, up some form, then, I mean, he could be snapping at Sinclair's heels if Sinclair drops it in. I don't think Pike's there, is he? Is he Derek's there? is there. I don't think so. Derek's is there. Oh, um, this could be a yeah. blooper. Um, <laughs> continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, um, look, he, he will be good at some stage. Not sure it's going to be this year. Four hundred nine thousand five hundred is his price, and I'm he's better picked than Loby, but you know what? Just probably don't do it. Um, yeah, he's he's risky to say the least. Um, there's nothing else really that you need to say. He, I reckon, you just spend the extra couple of hundred and go to a couple of hundred k. Sorry, and go to a premium. Yep. Um, last player is Smith. Um, Four hundred twenty-five thousand, hundred thousand. Um, and $300. Average of 78 last year, 79 unsubbed. Um, I, I see the potential in this pick as well, 112, 105, and 77. If I were to pick a, a mid-price in my ruck, min, ruck 2 spot, it would be Smith. Um, I can see him averaging closer to the 90 than anyone else that we've spoken about, being the hopefully the lone ruckman there. Um, still, I, I don't... I don't think he's a good pick in terms of what other Ruckman you'd pick up the cash for and get instead. Um, what about you? Look, I think um, he'll probably take the number one Ruck role and uh, Blitzovs will be used more as a large on-baller because he has the tank to do so. Um, I can actually see Smith averaging close to 100, or if not 100, so you know that might make him worthwhile for some people or definitely a good draft pick. But that being said... If he averages 100, you're still looking at... That's 25 less than Goldstein. You know, probably around 15 at least less than the other top-tier Ruckman. If you're leaking 15 points a week because you chose Smith, I mean, that's a lot of points to be leaking when you could have just paid an extra 100, 150k and just started off with a, you know, proven primo in the Ruck. If that 100, 150k is the difference between starting a rookie and a strong mid-price or even full-on premium, then I can see it. If you don't want to start with Goldie and you do start with Smith as a stepping stone. But, I mean, out of all these Ruckman that was spoken about, he's the best pick, but I don't rate any of them. I think you just it's a two-premium Ruck type of year and you just got to set and forget those players and try and find the cash for those upgrades elsewhere. Yeah, totally agree with you. I think that's, yeah, done. So the last position that we'll be doing is defence, and we'll start off with Elliot Yo, priced at four hundred and forty-three thousand three hundred 
dollars. Um, he averaged 82 in 2015. Showed some big, big scores, um, but also showed some really low ones. Um, you probably know more about him than I would, mate. Uh, how do you find Elliot Oyu this year? Look, uh, I love him as a pick. I mean, the problem with him is he's a victim of his own versatility. Um, he can play up front because he's got a great overhead marking ability, but he can also play down back um, as a defender. So that made his scores yo-yo. He's very, very inconsistent. Um, promisingly, Hearn has said that he expects Yo to be a full-time midfielder this year. Unfortunately, he was meant to play that role, or did play that role, actually, in the NAB Cup and still scored poorly uh, with a 53, a 58 and a 94, although that was against Essendon, so I'm not sure you can read too much into that. If he had showed anything whatsoever in the first two NAB Cup uh, matches, he would be straight in my side um, because for a defender that can go you know, well above 120, um, that's gold, but unfortunately he just hasn't shown enough. I really, really want to pick him, but I just think that it's a bit too risky, and I might have to wait and see. Yep, I agree. Um, with that, uh, Shannon Hearn saying that he will play a lot of time in the mid instead of going in defence or forward, that's before injuries, and we know how West Coast get, um, especially <laughs> the last couple of years. Um, that's that's so subject to change that it's almost an offhanded comment. Um, moving on to Jeremy McGovern and... Man, this guy, for someone that just runs around taking big marks and doesn't really get his own footy, um, he can score massively. Um, I like his potential, and I reckon he could be a good pick. He killed the NAB Cup with 120 and 106. He's so injury-prone, though, that it's it's tough to start with him. Um, how do you see McGowan going? Um, I'm a big fan of the McGovernator, but mostly because I enjoy watching him. As far as picks go, I'm not sure he's a great pick. Um, mostly, you know, he's a big dude. He takes lots of intercept marks, which is great for points, but his role is going to be, you know, changing or it's going to be a key defender role. Um, and, you know, generally they don't score too well. I mean, that's been, I guess, proven as a myth with uh, Rance and Tom McDonald uh, coming through last year. Yeah, so I think, look, he, he is injury prone, but was that because West Coast kept rushing him back because they desperately needed defenders or you know, didn't let him heal? Um, I'm, I don't know, but for me, it's, at his price, it's a little bit too risky. I wouldn't say definitely don't pick him, but it's, he's not personally my cup of tea. I like the pick. I reckon uh, he's, he's been in strong consideration, but... Um I'm not ballsy enough to do it. Uh, I reckon he's, unfortunately for him, he's made of wet paper bag material and he could just get injured quickly and that kills you straight away. Um, we all know how last season started with injuries. Um, I reckon he's a risky pick, but he could pay off so well that it's it makes it worth it sort of thing. Um, next player on the list is Daniel Rich, $436,100. Average of 80 Um had a down year last year playing on that halfback flank. He's shown good signs scoring massively. He's shown poor signs of scoring small. Um, he had 101 in the NAB Cup. I wish he played more games so I could see him more, but he didn't. Um, I like the pick. I think he's he's going to be inserted into that midfield a lot more than he was last year with Jack Redden and 
Dane Beams out. Um, how do you find him? He's their first tag player. Um, how do you think he'll go this year? Um, look, I think he's a good pick. Uh, I really like him as a player and as a pick. He's always shown that he's had heaps of potential, but he's never quite lived up to it. Um, I think hopefully, you know, this is the year, but he's also first time he's been listed in the back line. So, you know, there's even more upside than if he was just a pure midfielder. Uh, he'll definitely will play in the midfield this year and hopefully Hanley gets the first tag if they do decide to tag. Um, you know, but if Rich is killing it, they'll tag him. But the, Brisbane have so many players that could go bang, being, you know, Zorko, Rockliffe, Beams when he returns, Hanley. I mean, you can't stop all of them. So if teams decide to, you know, not try and stop Rich, then he could be in for a seriously good year. I agree. And now that he's defensive eligible, um, people were consider him last year in the midfield. So he's, now that he's got that defensive tag as well, I think he's... He's almost a safe pick at that price around the sort of players that we've spoken about already. Um, I reckon he's got massive scoring potential. Um, now, I've got a couple of Gold Coast boys next, Matt Rosa and Nick Malcheski, both within 30k of each other. Rosa's at 419, um, Malcheski's at 383, both average in the 70s. Um, I can't see myself picking either of them. I think Rosa has a lot of upside because he does consistently score around those 80s and 90s for a defender. Um, Malcheski, uh, he's just scared everyone off. Um, either of these players, have you considered either of them in your team yet, Pete? Not really. Uh, a long time ago, probably first draft, I had Malcheski and thinking, you know, he's back or he was going to come back, but... What a poor NAB Cup performance as well, having a 36 and a 62. Yep. I mean, come on. Just, I can't believe he was the best defender in all the lands last year mm. in Supercoach. Sorry, the year before last. Um, but when it started yeah, I'm, last I'm year, staying away. Best, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just staying away from him. Yep. Um, he's one of those, you can't touch him with a 10-foot pole. He's so risky, um, and his price isn't even that tempting because we've got so many mid-price defenders putting their hands up as less riskier picks with more upside. I don't think you can go near Malcheski. Ro no, definitely not. Rosa, not bad, but he'd be a POD pick, but that's about it. Um, next two Gold Coast defenders, there's four of them. Um, next two are Jesse Lonigan and Trent McKenzie. Um, I almost don't want to talk about Trent McKenzie. He had one exceptional game without the other two or three flankers playing. Um... He averaged 56 last year, not one score over 100, and of his 16 games, 14 of them were of scores less than 80. Um, I think I think he's one of the biggest traps this season, to be honest. Um, I, I can't see him averaging more than 70. Jesse Lonigan, on the other hand, being promised more midfield time, um, I can warrant his selection. Do you have him in your team, Pete, Jesse? Um, I don't, but I think I'll be locking him in in round one. Um, all right, we'll go far away, mate. What are your reasons behind that? Well, we've already heard uh, from Ede that Jesse Lonigan will be taking Swallow's uh, time in the midfield while Swallow's out. So, I mean, that's already a huge plus. You've got a defender playing as a pure midfielder. I mean, that screams pick me. And then you see his NAB Cup form. He gets a 126 in the first game. He got 64 in the second, but he's injured at half-time. So, you know, 64 and a half. 
I mean, yeah. you know, his, his, this kid's had potential, always had potential, and I think, you know, this is his time, this is his chance, and if he's going to be playing pure midfield, I mean, what's the worst he can do? What, 80? I mean, that's still good, decent enough for a mid-pricing defender. I agree. I mean, if he, goes, if he goes 90, you're almost keeping him. If he goes anything more, you're laughing. So it's low lower risk option out of all of these options, I think, for me. I do like Justin Onigan as a pick. He won't be in my side, but I'm going fairly expensive in the back line this year. Um, the next couple are Johannesson and Suckling. Um, I'll talk about Suckling first. I do like his upside. A 97 and a 90 in the NAB Cup. Um, that 90 was with... Johannesson, Boyd, um, I don't think Murphy played, um, but he's showing that he can score in those 80s, 90s. I, the guy struggles to score over 100, but he does score in those 70s, 80s and 90s. For a consistent POD pick, I reckon Suckling's actually a good option. Johannesson, um, he screams danger. We saw, Lumim- uh, we saw Lumumba do this last year um, and then just die in the season. Um, uh, I just... I don't want to shoot down Johannesson because he's had such a stellar nab cup and he has shown signs throughout the season, but I think he's just a big, big, big trap. Um, what are your thoughts on both these players? Um, look, I'm not really sure how I feel about either of them. I'm more on the fence than saying no or yes. Um, with Suckling, I'm not sure what his role will be. I'm thinking it's going to be more of a half-forward flank role just because Bob Murphy and Boyd um, and Johannesson have, you know, the running rebounder yep. roles. So I'm not really sure how he's going to go. Um, there's too many question marks for me to pick Suckling. But, again, if someone wants to pick him, I would fully be fine with that if you want to go that way. But definitely not for me. And Johannesson is uh, similar to your thoughts. He's so inconsistent. They do play, I think it's like seven of their first eight games or something in Melbourne or or at Eddie Had Stadium, so he could go just bang um, and start well, and then everyone jumps on him, and then you know might waver off be throughout poor. the season. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm going to start with him um, again. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be recommending him, but you know, if you feel so inclined to do so, then uh, yeah, go for it. I think there's a lot more risk on Johannesson than what people are making out for there to be. Um, these these NAB Cup performances, I mean, we all know no one's going to sit on a half-back flanker in the NAB Cup. Um, if anyone's going to score well, it will be a half-back flanker popping up out of nowhere. Johannesson has done it during the season, but in such crazy spurts that I don't think you can, you can trust him to do it in two games in a row rather than a whole season. Um, he's, he's not in my consideration at all. Um, suckling... I can justify the pick, but also not in my consideration at all. Um, Smith and Seedsman are the next two. Um, Seedsman's a lot cheaper. He's 80k cheaper. He's 90k cheaper, to be honest. Um, he did have 17 less than Smith on an average last year. Um, unsubbed. Both of their averages unsubbed are only three points apart at 81 and 78. Um, I like Seedsman's upside. He scored 48 in the first snap cup with his new team, um, then a 90, then a 118, and that was with Smith and Laird. Um, I think Seedsman does have a lot of upside, and at his price, I can almost justify picking him. Smith seems like a trap. Um, he seems like everyone's sort of just consolidating him because he looks um, he looks safe, considering how he started last year, but I think he's just a bit of a trap. Um, 
are you going to think about either of these players for your team? Um, probably not, but I can understand the Seisman selection. He's 48 in the NAB Cup. He was actually, I think he said he had gastro right, yeah. or some other illness. So, I mean, he just didn't, he really wanted to play with his new teammates, so he didn't want to sit out. So he did have a poor performance and then came back with a 90 and 118, which is excellent for a defender. Um, the only thing uh, really putting me off both of these guys a lot is Adelaide's tough draw to start the year. Their first eight fixtures are just incredibly tough. Um, I seriously could see them going two and six to start the year. And, you know, there's a correlation between winning and scoring, you know, a little bit higher because you get more yep. slice of that 3,300 pie. So I don't know if uh, they're going to be great picks, but can definitely understand people picking Seedsman. Would look at him, won't pick him. Um, Smith, just don't do it to yourself. Maybe I'm biased because he burnt me so badly last season. I'm still trying to recover. <laughs> I think you burned everyone last season. Uh, I just, uh, I don't even want to talk about him to be honest. Let's let's just move on. I still on. have nightmares where I, I wake up in a bit of a terror from Smith last year. Um, with uh, what you said about their draw, it's not just the first eight games, although they are terrible. They've got the second hardest draw in the league throughout the season this year. It's it's tough to pick any of their players. I suppose if you were to pick any of them, it'd be a defender. But, um, yeah, Smith is a no-go for me. Seedsman, I'd put a maybe on him, and I could justify people selecting him. Um, we've got Sheridan next at $351,100. Um, ah, this one baffles me. Um, he... He had he averaged 65 last year. It's not like he was sub-affected. He had three sub-affected games. He averaged 70 without the sub-vest. Um, three games over 100, which is all well and good, but 12 under 80. I guess he's shown a bit, but he did last NAB Cup. I think he scored 130 in a NAB Cup game last year, and everyone got it. And then um, I can't see him averaging more than 65 this year. I think he's just going to sit on that average and go nowhere. Um... Can you warrant a Sheridan selection? I can't warrant a Sheridan selection, but I can say I think natural improvement will see him take his average up to about 75, but it's just not enough. I mean, he'll barely generate any cash at all at a 75 average, and he won't get you any closer to a premium. So, I mean, there's no real point. He's, he scored decently in the NAB Cup uh, with a 95, 128, and a 57, uh, which is solid for a defender. It's good enough, but, yeah, I think when... They decide to play their full team Frio, and you know he's got his role in the back line. I, I think it's going to be tough for him to get well above 75 average. I think that 57 reflects a lot more what he'll be sitting around, like a 57 and then maybe an 80 here and there. And then um, those that 128, I think, is a, a huge outlier. Um, his high score throughout the whole of last season was 106, so you can't really take that 128 and run with it. Um, yeah, just a dangerous selection for me. Um, I think he's sucking a lot of people in. Seedsman's 20k cheaper. I, I'd, I'd happily go with Seedsman over Sheridan. Um, yeah. Second to last player we've got is James Aish for Collingwood, your mob. Um, is he in your best 22? Can you fit him in your best 22 comfortably? I think we have injuries at the moment with Howe and Elliot. Um, and I still just don't see him in the 22. I don't think he's close. I mean, look, we will have more injuries throughout the season. And, you know, he might get a game or two. But he's not a lock by any stretch of the imagination. He could come in, 
play round one, have a terrible game, and then he's out and you don't see him for the next ten weeks. Yeah. I mean... Even yeah. at his price. I mean, he's priced cheaply, but even at his price, I can't see him even being a value pick. I mean, his nab form was 55, 69, and 10. The 10 he only played a quarter in, but um, uh, he just... He hasn't put his hand up at all. He hasn't put his hand up to play at all, and uh, I reckon he's potentially one of the most dangerous picks we've even spoken about. Um, but yeah, he's owned by what would we say 12% of teams? Yeah, something like that, I can't remember. Craziness. Sorry. Um, Eric McKenzie's our last pick, and um, I don't have heaps to say about him. He's, he is cheap, he's 243000 Um he, he got a 51 and a 59 in the NAB Cup. He did average 75 in his All-Australian year, but other than that, he's done little to nothing um, in terms of Supercoach. Uh, I can't I can't even think about selecting him in my team. I'd rather save 60k and pick Matty D. Like, um, is he in your calculations at all? <laughs> no, nowhere near. I mean... Look, he got 75 and All-Australian defender. He misses a year with injury. And now, what, is he going to come back and be an All-Australian average 75 again? I mean, if he does that, it's still not great for Supercoach. I mean, you may as well pick Weedering or, as you said, D would be better. Just a better pick. Um, he's a terrible pick. Please don't pick him. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, anyone that joined our leagues that we, uh, that we created, don't pick him. Um, we actually want to do well in those leagues, so there's our, <laughs> there's our big advice. Um, we don't want to see him at all during the season um, uh, that pretty much wraps it up for the defenders alright so before we sign off we've, um, we've got a couple of questions on the Facebook page here um, question from and I'm sorry if I pronounced this incorrectly um, Eon or Eon Cannon um, uh, massive apologies you can message abuse to the page if we get it wrong um, and he's pretty much just asked how many mid-prices are too many? I could easily have three mid-price defenders, two mid-price forwards. Um, well, firstly, uh, before we answer the question, Peter, what do you actually consider a mid-pricer? Because I feel like the lines are a little blurred on this lately. So, basically, anyone that you're selecting as a keeper that you plan on keeping for the whole season isn't going to be a mid-pricer. For example? So, for example, people that are picking Libba are generally going to be expecting to keep him the whole year. So, I mean, he's, he's mid-priced in price, but he's not a mid-pricer. It might be a bit complicated, but, for example, people are saying Rich is a mid-pricer. Rich is a primo keeper in the back line. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it, it quasi-primo, but he's definitely a keeper. You're not going to be upgrading him to somebody unless he flops completely, but he's definitely a keeper and not a mid-pricer. You expect mid -pricer, him to be there in the last round. Yes, exactly. And a mid-pricer is someone generally that you use as a stepping stone up to a primo, someone that you plan on upgrading or not keeping for the entire season. Um, but yeah, definitely not rich, um, not those type of players Zach in the back Smith, line. Uh, Brad or Matt Crouch, Nick Graham are all mid-prices. Um, Lonigan, you'd consider Trent McKenzie. Um, yeah, all these definitely. types of players would be mid-prices. Um, so to answer his question, um, how many mid-prices are you rolling with? I'm only really rolling with uh, Brad Crouch and Wells. Uh, well, I do have Libba, but just explain that one. Yeah. Um, Brad Crouch, definitely uh, absolutely love him, as I've talked about. So I'm going to be selecting with one 
there and one in the forward line in Wells, potentially one in Lonigan. I think down back you can be a bit more flexible and I could probably say two, maybe three mid prices is okay. Wouldn't recommend three. Two is probably enough. Yeah. Um, again, would not go to mid prices in the midfield. Uh, it's too many, If you've, especially if you've gone two down back. Wells is probably enough up front, so, you know, it, two plus one plus one, I'd say your answer's four. Um, it depends a lot on your structure as well. I mean, I've seen I've seen teams with Libba at M8, um, and that's, well, it's a little bit ridiculous, but, I mean, if you want to put that money all in the midfield, um, it's your right, it's your team, um, but that also means having mid-prices all through the forward and defence, and probably having Zach Smith as well. Um, yep. For me, I've got I consider Wells a mid pricer. Um, I do have Libertori, obviously he's not a mid pricer. Um, I do have Aaron Hall. I expect him to be a keeper, but can easily see how he'll turn into a mid pricer if he um, if those players come back and he falls back into his old habits. Um, so for me, I've got maybe one and a half, I'd say, um, in Wells and maybe Hall. Uh, I, I'm just a big believer in their guns and rookies strategy. To be honest, um, there's no real set amount. Um, I suppose when you think about it, the more you have, the riskier your team is, but that risk can pay off. It rarely does, but it can. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm happy to just go in with one and a half. And yeah, people have to remember that anytime you pick a mid-pricer, it's going to cost you another trade to get rid of them, to upgrade them, because yeah. you're not going to want to be stuck with them. So, you know, if you're picking four in your team, that's an extra four trades, which, I mean, not an extra four, because probably you could get two guns and two rookies. So that's an extra two trades that you're going to have to use that other people won't. So, I mean, it's a very risky strategy. I guess if the rookies aren't there, come round one, you might need to stretch and get a couple more mid-prices than you're comfortable with. But, you know, I wouldn't suggest going past, you know, four or so. It just would put your team at a disadvantage and slower cash generation. Yep, I agree. Um, once again, apologies if that was a mispronounced name. Um... And, yeah, um, we'll get some more questions throughout the season. There aren't a heap that we can attend to that we haven't already in the podcast. Um, so that concludes our second ever podcast. Hope it was helpful to all our listeners. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at DrSuperCoach.com. Um, we'd love for you to contact us with any thoughts regarding the podcast, whether they be good or bad. Um, we love the criticism. It helps us improve the podcast for our listeners and... Um, and we'll catch you guys next week. Um, see you later. Yeah, thanks, guys, and good luck for round one. All right, bye.